Hey everyone, this is William from A Fan's Perspective. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Well, when I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How to record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen on? How do I make money from this podcast? Well, guys, the answer was really easy. The answer was Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with a great sponsor who wants to advertise on your podcast. That means you get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. Guys, let me be real. Anchor has changed the way I look at podcasts. It made it really easy for me to get in there, start editing my stuff, and get it out to you. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money while doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. Once again, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear what you come up with in your podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Fan's Perspective. My name is William, and first things first is that if this is your first time tuning in, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen and let you know that I really do appreciate it. Now, today on this episode, joining us is an old friend of the show, and it's none other than Mr. Josh Gray. So, Josh, it's been a while since we've talked to you. You've been kind of a ghost around, so how's everything been going? Is life good? Everything's going great, man. Uh, little man just turned uh, one not too long ago, so he's been keeping me busy. He's starting to uh, sing songs and talk. Man, you can't really beat that. You know, uh, being a dad, I, I know you're probably having an amazing time. You know, got a lot of things you're going to pass on to him as far as sports knowledge and, and being a passionate Cleveland Browns fan, I would assume. And I bet you can't wait for that. Uh, nope, and he learned the word. He learned how to say touchdown just in time. Oh man, that is that is great. <laughs> um, so, Josh, today's topics are simply going to be about things going on in the NFL, and of course, right. I want to start with the big one, and that's Antonio Brown to the Patriots. So, before we dive real real deep into it, let's break down kind of chronologically. What's happened in the past couple of days? So we know this all started when AB was fined $53,000 specifically for absences from team events. Now, I have to ask you, did you agree with that fine? Before we, We're going to break down each individual part of this timeline, but with the $53,000 for his absences from team events and practices, did you kind of get on board with that particular fine? Look, we're not going to get the full story here. My take on it is the helmet issue really wasn't an issue. It was a Antonio Brown not wanting to be in camp issue. So, yes, I agree with the fines. He should have been fined. He wasn't with the team for whatever silly reason that he concocted in his head. Yeah, and to me, to be honest with you, when I when I look at it, so – this is your first year with this team. You're coming in the whole point of spring camps and getting into, 
you know, preseason is to better gel with that team to give you a chance when the season starts. And I feel like we kind of missed that with him this year. Absolutely. And it's extra important because he's got to get that timing down with the new quarterback. He's got to learn the whole new offense. John Gruden plays a way different offense than Mike Tomlin does. It's just yeah, all definitely. That, that they that he needed to get used to, and he just wasn't interested in doing it. He they claim that he's the hardest worker. He's the hardest worker. What did he put in four days? Yeah, and I mean, you know, I think what really from from the get go from the kickoff, what really bugged me is so clearly if being an athlete of his level and you you generally probably use he himself probably used cryo chambers quite a bit and to come up with frostbite and i mean there's pictures out there it was a legit thing but he's probably used it a lot more like he knows that he has to have some kind of protective equipment on his on his legs and all that when you're getting into cryo chambers so to me that alone was a self-inflicted wound it wasn't even something that the Raiders should have been held to any kind of standard of saying, okay, yeah, we'll be patient for you, man. Like you knew you had stuff coming up and yet you still wound up doing something completely stupid. Yeah. That I don't, I don't mind. He, he should have known that's fine. People get hurt riding motorcycles when they should know they shouldn't ride motorcycles as close to a season or whatnot. And they get hurt. Uh, ben Roethlisberger was in an, an accident month or so before the season started yep. um, about 10 years ago but it's yes that didn't bother me so much as when his foot healed then then the helmet issue came up yeah to be honest with you it from the get-go after you know they announced his signing it just didn't feel like antonio brown wanted to be an oakland raider like in on in public he put it out there but when you really look at his his demeanor and his activity since he was signed, it really didn't feel like he wanted to be there. I think he was really excited when they first signed him, but something in that camp, I think turned him away really fast. And, and that's when we started seeing the Antonio Brown of old, if you will, towards the back end of his career with the Steelers. Yeah. I'd have to go back. Maybe, you know, the answer to this, but uh, did he have a clause where he had to approve the team he was traded to from Pittsburgh? So, um, I don't think he had a trade clause in because I always joked that I thought the trade to Oakland was one of those, we're going to send you there to die kind of things, you know, like, uh, you know, we're not going to give you the best situation. We're just going to send you somewhere that we think you probably won't be as successful in. And, and let's be fair. When you look at the, the Raiders on paper, they have some solid players, but bringing in just one extra receiver, no matter how good he is, I don't think the Steelers look at it as like we're giving them a benefit. Actually, in my opinion, the Steelers, especially now, got a better got a better side of that trade than Oakland did. Yeah, now definitely. I mean, I was shocked. I mean, the Raiders just gave up Am- Amari Cooper. Yes, I mean a little bit of a, a tear down. But they got a first rounder for him and then gave up a third and a fifth for AB. Yeah. And then, so we got the $53,000 fine for the absences and team events and practices. But then, to top it off, when he receives this letter from the Oakland Raiders team, he decided to go on Instagram, post it up, 
in a very public manner to complain about his fine. And let's be fair, especially being new to a team, that's the only stuff that's handled in-house. Yes, it would have came out and would have had the conversation about, but it's not necessarily something that I expected to see him himself do. I don't know. It's hard to predict his behavior. It's just so erratic right now. Um, it, just in the last week, his social media has just been almost not outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> outrageous, if not almost bipolar. I'm not assume I'm not making any assumptions that he yeah. is, but it, it seems like his uh, his social media presence at least has been kind of up and down like that. Yeah, and and so that actually brings me to the next thing I want to bring up. And and like I said, we're going through the chronological order of the basically the breakdown of AB with the the Raiders is that literally the following day, 24 hours later, he has the confrontation with GM Mayock at practice, at which point Mayock claims he called was called a cracker. There's no solid evidence on that. AB denies that whether he did or not. It's you don't have that that confrontation with the GM in public that I stand upon like that is a behind closed doors kind of thing. If you want to cuss out the GM, if you want to do whatever you want to say to him, that's something to keep behind closed doors. And I think I think we all expected a little, a little bit more out of Antonio being in the league as long as he has to kind of know that. But then again, we've seen players in the past kind of blow up and, and do their own thing as well. Yeah, but I mean that was that was an altercation that was initiated by Antonio Brown against Mike yes. Mayock. Mike Mayock tried to remove himself from the situation. Antonio Brown kept pushing, which I mean Oakland was left with no choice but to hit him with that conduct detrimental. Correct. Now that's actually I'm I'm glad you just brought that up because that's where it gets interesting, right? This whole so reports come out, cool, we're gonna suspend A B for the first week of the season literally we get a full turn of i ab gave us an emotional apology and now we're not sure if we're going to suspend him what was interesting the reason i say it was interesting is that same night you know you you brought up ab's social media right mm-hmm. the same night he posted a video to youtube which i haven't sat down and watched it but everything i'm reading about this video has a clip of a private conversation he had with John Gruden yeah, actually in this video. He almost cut it like a, like almost a hype video for himself. And it's, I got it's you. spliced in. It's spliced. In, it's just got images of him working out, working hard. And in the middle is spliced in the conversation between him and Gruden Him calling himself a, vi- a villain. He's talking on the phone, almost like he's thinking about this video. I got you. So now we go 24 hours later and the late, the Raiders send uh, basically void all his guaranteed money for conduct as 29.125 mil gone, disappeared. That was guaranteed money. Now, once that got to him, he demanded his release. Now, this is where I want your opinion. Now, if I'm the GM Mayotte and I literally, at this point, you have AB's, career in your hands because not only did they get rid of his guaranteed money but they got rid of the termination money as well so Mm -hmm. now you can keep him on your roster yeah you lock up salary cap and all of that but you can literally almost bench him an entire season and 
I mean, of course, you'll have the NFLPA to deal with, but you could literally make it to where he loses money for for this season. Not collecting game checks and stuff like that. Yeah, and because to play literally finding him. <laughs> yeah, literally, that's that's literally the only way he was going to make money with the Raiders now is if he played. And he was not. And he's straight up said he's not playing on a week to week basis because once you get rid of that termination play, the termination oh, yeah. pay, it's basically a week to week contract. They can fire him now, once without having to compensate. Yes. Now the cool thing was, is literally he demands his release. The Raiders grant that to him. Now. Literally, when I read about him being released, when Adam Schefter came across and said, oh, no, he's been released, I was like, is Bill Belichick and Tom Brady about to make some phone calls? Are they about to make some moves? Now, I don't say Robert Kraft because, let's be fair, Belichick, I firmly believe, have been watching the situation play out because Belichick has this niche and this knack of working with players that are just troublemakers and basically, like, getting the best out of them, right? Like, now, granted, Gordon is is an, an anomaly. I think he had some darker demons than anyone anticipated on. I mean, you actually warned us about Gordon. But, yep. you know, I'm excited. You know, Gordon's back this season. He went through all of this to get reinstated. And I really hope we see him. First of all, I really hope we see Josh Gordon clear-headed, playing strong, and that he's he's – fighting those demons the best he can and we don't see him with that substance abuse issue again or mental as a human issues. being i agree with you but as somebody who requires oxygen i'm not holding my breath <laughs> but you know that's been belichick's thing you know it's this isn't the first player he's brought in that's been a troublemaker in the league now the the thing i have to say about that is with your Corey dillons or your Wes Welkers, if you will, and Randy Moss, is they were troublemakers in the sense that they were unhappy, frustrated on a bad team. Now, you can make the case that the Oakland Raiders are a bad team, but A.B. has worked his way off of a good team first. I agree with you there. So, I mean, it's it's something that he's just – I don't know if it's a God complex or what's going on with him. He just – it's its a different beast that they're trying to tame in, in A.B. Yeah. Now, with you saying that, what's interesting is we see this come out, uh, him coming out of, you know, Oakland the way he has. And we saw how – the Steelers situation transpired and how he put it on Juju, how he put it on Ben, how he put it on Tomlin. And yet now we're very publicly seeing this meltdown he had with Oakland. I mean, doesn't that kind of bring a different light on the whole and the Steelers? Like you kind of lose, he loses any validity he had in talking that there was all this going on to make him leave or that he wanted to leave. But here we are, we're seeing the same situation. Not quite the same situation, but we're seeing that same sporadic behavior with the Raiders. I mean, doesn't that kind of make it look like, well, you know, AB's just, you know, not a good teammate, if you will. And, I mean, as much as I don't want to admit it, and as much as I really despise this person, Ben Roethlisberger straight up said, it's because he's a me-first guy. He's not a team guy. He's a me guy. Well, and I, I think that's what's going to be interesting. So to move to move to the next point, right? So 
he gets released and within four hours, I'm going to say four hours, it's probably a little bit less than that when it was officially signed, but the Patriots made him an offer. Now he signed the offer and I don't know if you've read the deal yet, but they gave him one year, 15 mm-hmm. million, nine of that's guaranteed. And the other of course is being done with incentives and things like that. So that being said, the fact that you just said that, that he's a me player, are, do you think this is actually going to be more detrimental to the Patriots? Yes, we're giving we're giving Tom Brady, if A.B. decides to show up and actually play, we're giving him a, a one. But you already had one, in my opinion, in Edelman, because Julian Edelman is the workhorse of that team. But he is, but you're with his size, him, Edelman is nothing more than a slump player. Yeah, so you're alleviating all the pressure on Julian Edelman to have to be that one, if you will, and if Josh Gordon stays healthy and he's playing well, then now you agree that next to Cleveland is probably the best wide receiving core in the league now if A.B. comes in and gets his shit straight. Pardon my French. And if Gordon stays clean. Yes. So I mean, literally, if, if you take some butts, if some butts were candy and nuts, my man. <laughs> yeah, man. And I, I mean, if you take Gordon, A.B., and Edelman, and you have – what, Landry, Odell, and who's the number three in Cleveland right now? Uh, he's hurt right now, but it's uh, probably going to end up being Antonio Callaway or Rashard Higgins. Okay. Most likely Rashard Higgins, though. So, But this is what I'm saying. So, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry are equivalent to those three receivers. Those two guys, in my opinion, Beckham Jr. and Landry, are probably the two best wide receivers in the game, minus A.B., because let's be straight. The guy has amazing talent on the field. It's his off-field antics that we're talking about. Yeah, and I'd, I'd even – Odell, I'd put up there with him. I'd still put uh, Julio and uh, Amari well, Cooper all ahead of Jarvis. So the only issue I have with Julio is he's coming off, of, I believe, what, a knee injury. And, you know, he just got this extension with Atlanta, which, don't get me wrong, he's earned his extension with Atlanta. If – if he wants to be there, and I'm glad he's he's sticking there, you know, but I want to see Julio get back to that pre-injury status before I throw him into that that genre right now. Because we know A.B. is going to do what he's going to do. If he gets open looks, that's, that's it for him, just like Odell. Odell can have a freaking strained hamstring, and if he gets an open look, he's going to come down with the ball, right? Um Julio is great, but Julio really depends on being able to make cuts and getting, you know, down the line to get that open look. I think Odell Beckham and AB are really good at creating open looks. Yeah, I st- I'd still one off year. I mean, I know his production touchdown production wasn't up there. I mean, I don't think you can count that against Julio, though, because Matt Ryan's overall production was down, too. Yes. Um, honestly, I think it's getting close to where we're going to have to see the Falcons really look to see who's going to be that next, you know, um, that next quarterback for them. That's you know, I think, I, no, I agree. I just think you're going to have to find someone, not necessarily to replace him right now. But go ahead and start letting him learn under him. You know, a lot like what we saw with Jimmy G learning under Tom Brady, 
you know, he did go to the 49ers. He looks good, but he's not as strong right now as we would like to see him, right? Absolutely. So I have to ask, we've been through preseason. You know, we're right here at the beginning. What do you think about your Browns? Dude, this has been literally the longest offseason of my entire life. <laughs> just want to get to tomorrow and watch them play. It's just we've heard all the talk. And I'd like to point out that before everybody else got on board, before all the betters went to Vegas, before all the amazing accolades we got for our offseason, on this exact podcast last year, I called the Browns winning the North. Yes, yes, you did. You can buy that. Um, I think it's going to be a very fun season. And with all the talk that our offense is getting with the new weapons, our defense is going to be debilitating. Now, I'm really excited to see what they do. Like, I I actually called it on the – I think it was the same episode, and I said that the Browns going to be my secret shame this season. Like, uh, you know, I'm a Patriots fan, but – Deep down, I'm really hoping to see the Browns be able to pull something off. Will they win the Super Bowl? Nah, I doubt it. Not this year. Hashtag Wolves um, team. <laughs> but I do – I would love to see, and as me and you talked on that previous episode, I want to see where we don't have so many debilitating, debilitating teams as far as the way they play. Um, it's kind of like we watch – opening game, the Bears and the Packers, man, that was an ugly game. Like, that was hard-to-watch kind of game. Yeah. And for me, like, I would have rather sat through, and and it's not just because I'm a Patriots fan, but I would have rather have not given up the Super Bowl champs getting that first Monday night game to see what we had to just sit through watching Trubisky and Aaron Rodgers be out of rhythm, not making solid plays, and the defenses looked amazing, but there was there's no way to judge it because the offenses were so bad. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers kind of woke up in the second half a little bit, and they looked better and looked smoother. His his first quarter even was, I think, biggest contributor was just not playing a single snap in the preseason under a, in a new scheme, under a new head coach, just no experience. There's no timing. There's no practice with route recognition while you're in a in in that kind of a environment with Khalil Mack and all them guys staring you down and running you down. Well, yes, yeah, like what we said literally in this particular episode is is that's what preseason's for, right? And Aaron Rodgers, I don't think played any preseason games this season. Um, and the thing is, is that's what the preseason's for. I know people hate it. But the idea is you're getting reps against a live defense, not your defense, but a live defense that you're not going to see every game. You're going to see those guys on your defense looking back at you every practice. You're going to you're going to learn those players better than anyone else. You're going to know little twitches and tweaks about every one of them. But seeing a live defense opposite of what you trained on makes a big difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think. The big thing is you mentioned that, that that game was hard to watch just because, again, off off rhythm, 
whether that was just for from inexperience and not playing and not practicing, or if it was from good defense and pe- taking people out of their timing and their routes. But uh, that that game was definitely a lot harder to watch than the game last year that everybody complained about that yeah. range Chiefs game. Yeah, Where and I mean, just to be fair, six to eight hundred and twelve. Yeah, and I mean, just to be fair, let's look at it like like you just said. It's very hard for us to look at that first game of the season for the Bears or the Packers and pull anything out of it. Um, granted, if it had been a low-scoring game because the defenses were on point no matter what, that would have been great. But when you look at, I think, Trubisky was sacked five times and was hit 13 or 14 times, something like that. But is that because Green Bay's defensive line and linebackers were just that on point or was that because the bears offensive line and Mitchell Trubisky weren't making good decisions and coming off blocks properly. You know, it's just that game was so bad to sit through that you kind of lose sight of what's really going on because passes were ugly routes were ran bad. You had Aaron Rodgers, probably one of the top five quarterbacks in the league under throwing guys, which we don't see very often. And a lot of that came back to the idea that, he skipped his, you know, his preseason. He was there. He just didn't step on the field. And Mitchell Trubisky, I think, ran one series, and it was like three snaps, and he handed the ball off during preseason. I don't think we actually saw him throw a pass the entire preseason. You still with me, Josh? You there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, sorry. Hey, I don't know what happened. (laughs) Um, The biggest thing with the Bears' offense, I think, is the fact that they were using Tariq Cohen as their third wide receiver. Yeah. So two of their wide receivers, Allen Robinson killed it, um, but two of their other receivers are uh, Taylor Gabriel and Tariq Cohen, who is a running back. Neither one of them looked to be above six feet tall. <laughs> yeah. So not not, not uh, very favorable for Mitch Trubisky. So now let's talk about the elephant in the room. And that is Ezekiel Elliott. Now, for a guy who claimed, I don't want to spend my entire career as a Dallas Cowboy, he just signed <laughs> – a six-year extension to put him in Dallas for eight years. Now, we all know the lifespan of a running back isn't long. And when you're Ezekiel Elliott in that Cowboys lineup, you're going to carry a lot of that load, even though your backup right now looked good while you weren't there. But let's be fair. Short of of your first game, we're going to see you get 15 to 20 touches. Once that goes by, by week two, you're going to be running a big portion of this offense, setting up play action with Dak, being able to get out into the flats to catch balls, blocking, which, let's be fair, I love the fact that Ezekiel Elliott's not afraid to block someone. That's great. But you just signed, you know, guaranteed $50 million from the Cowboys, but it's going to come with the cost. Yeah. It is going to come with a cost, but I think 
I think him saying that, not wanting to play with Dallas for his whole career, was more speak to kind of initiate the, the contract talks. Because uh, next year he didn't want to be in the position that uh, Melvin Gordon's in right now. <laughs> yeah, but all right. So with that being said, let's talk about that. So I was I was telling people at work that honestly Zeke really didn't have any leverage in this situation, uh, in my opinion, because you still have two years on your rookie contract, right? To go mm-hmm. to into free agency, you have to complete that rookie contract. Every season you hold out extends that. Yeah, you it's don't a, play it's a void contract or exactly. Contract. So until he finished out his rookie contract with Dallas, he was stuck in Dallas anyway. Right now, granted, Jerry Jones wanted to get this done. Let's not hide that. You know, Jerry and Zeke's relationship is strong. But like I told everyone, I don't think I think they were close already. And this holdout was just Ezekiel Elliott saying, let's just finish it. Let's get it done. Um, But Ezekiel Elliott, let's be clear, had no leverage in this outside of he was the number one running back in the league last year and two years. Yeah. And he's probably the best running back we're going to see next to Saquon Barkley and old chubby in, in Cleveland that we're going to see is as far as like firing off the ball and being able to fight up the middle. Yeah. And he does it. Saquon and Chubb, they're more, they're both solid, but they're more, elusive backs they can bounce off tackles Ezekiel Elliott just runs through people you always he reminds me he reminds me a lot of if Mike Allstott would have just been a halfback so you're saying Frank Gore (laughs) yeah exactly um (laughs) really honestly I I think I think you would have to take Frank Gore Mike Allstott let him have a baby and then there you go you have Ezekiel Elliott but to that point Frank Gore is still playing in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So the biggest question I had around this, of course, I'm a Mississippi State fan. I have been all my life, is you always hear people talking about every time you sign one of these big deals, it shrinks the pie, if you will, for what they can play players, pay additional players. However, the way Dallas set this up is it's not hitting their salary cap that hard because they did a lot of it on a signing bonus. Most of his guaranteed money is set up to be out of a signing bonus. Now, that being said, we know Jerry Jones wants to sign Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. He's already been very vocal about that. He signed the first piece, which he said he had to get Ezekiel Elliott signed. You've, you've got to think with everything they dealt with with Tony Romo, you got to think they're going to be willing to offer – Dak Prescott enough to keep him there for several years because Dak might not be a Tony Romo in the pocket. And let's be fair. He's not Tony Romo was able to sit in the pocket. If you gave him all day in the pocket, he could pick you apart. But once he had to extend the play, Tony Romo became Tony trash. And that's where, that's where Dak Prescott's a little different. Dak is stronger on the run and extending those plays than he is in the pocket. He's getting better. We've seen that over the past couple of years. We've seen him get better looks downfield, making better decisions. But do you think like Jerry Jones and that Cowboys franchise has to get this deal done with Dak before the end of the season? Uh, Cause you don't want him going into his last year, the rookie contracts as well. Cause right now quarterbacks are premium in the NFL. 
And you know, no matter what, Dak Prescott's going to get a hefty look from somebody because of what he can bring to the table, especially when you look at a team that has a strong running game. If you can set up that play action, Dak Prescott becomes a little bit more dangerous when you have a strong running back behind him. Um, I don't think it's as dire to get um, Dak Prescott done. Uh, you, you look at the comps and, and the other quarterbacks that were taken that year. Um, that was three years ago? Yes. So he was taken the same year as Trubisky and Patrick Mahomes. Correct, yes. But let's be fair, Mahomes has already got paid, right? Well, he's um, also a league MVP. Agreed. No, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not putting Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes in the same class because as much as I like Dak Prescott, you can't do that. It's just he's it's lot, not – He's not there. He's Mitch Trubisky at this point. Yeah. Now, however, I do feel like we could see Dak Prescott – grow into a very solid core. Will he ever be that top elite quarterback? No. And that's coming from a fan of his. No, we will never see Dak Prescott be that ultimate elite quarterback. But I do think put in the right situation with the right personnel around him, we could see them make a Super Bowl before Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott leaves that team. I do think you have to get Amari Cooper and you have to get Dak Prescott signed because let's take those two. Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper's numbers were trash in Oakland. Dak Prescott's weren't great in the passing game. You bring them two together with, what, five games left in the season or something like that, and all of a sudden, Amari Cooper's numbers are looking really good and Dak Prescott's numbers are looking really good. And I firmly believe that's because Dak Prescott didn't really have any solid receiving core around him, and now you got Jason Witten coming in, who's old as far as in that position, but can still catch balls, which opens up uh, a dump down for Dak Prescott because you're not going to see Jason Witten go on a fly route or a post route that often. Yeah, and I and I agree with you that it's important to sign them, but I don't think it's going to be that big a deal for I think, Dak. I think Dak's um, going to get $40 million a year. 40 a year? Yes. I think he's – well, I think he's going to get 40 guaranteed easily. When you look at the quarterback market, you look at, you know, Carl's, Carlton Wentz signed a good contract, but then the Rams set the market with golf. I'm saying you put Dak Prescott right there closer to Carlson Wentz and you keep him away from golf. You don't want to touch that high end. You don't want to set the market with Dak Prescott, but you want to get him where he feels like he's being paid properly. We're not going to get a situation like a Drew Brees and a Tom Brady where they're willing to take pay cuts to build a stronger team. Because let's be fair, both of them, they've been in the league. They've been successful. They have money where they can financially put themselves in that situation. If either one of them were to get hurt tomorrow, knock on wood, that they don't, they're still financially secure enough outside of the game to handle it. Whereas I think you take a Dak Prescott, you don't even have to pay him as much as Wentz, pay him right under Wentz, and I think he'll be happy. Yeah, the, he's he's gonna he's gonna fall a little short of Carson Wentz because you got to remember, Wentz and Golf have been on Super Bowl teams. Well, first of all, I said on this dang podcast that it should be Nick Foles in Philadelphia right now, not Wentz, 
because well, I told you that wasn't going to happen. Yes, and and you were right, but I will still maintain Foles is better for that team than Wentz is. Wentz is a great quarterback who does great, but I still feel like Foles had the heart of that team, the pulse of that team, because he was clutch when they needed him to be. He knew how to get in there. He knew how to take over a team. Now, he's got a great opportunity in Jacksonville to make that team his own. But I feel like Philadelphia made the wrong move and got rid of the wrong quarterback. That, that's a tough pill to swallow, getting rid of a, uh, a top-two pick. Versus the quarterback that won your Super Bowl for you. The defense helped a lot with that. Though. They, they <laughs> did, yeah. but – Offensively, <laughs> you know, Foles is the one. And I think the, the offense would have performed just the same under Carson Wentz. Because if you remember last year, Nick Foles started the season and he was terrible. Well, I, I agree, but I also think Wentz is not as bad as AB, but I do think Wentz has a lot of me in him as far as he scrambles too much. He he tries to extend the plays too much when it's not necessarily needed to extend the plays. I'm not saying that's why he got injured because it's not. We can all go back and look at the play where his knee got messed up and he had no one to throw to. He scrambled down the field and that was unfortunate. But I feel like we see Wentz try to extend the plays too much. He's got to learn to sit in the pocket, read the defense, pick out the player and go for it. Not always get outside the pocket. And also keep in mind that he's – he should be used to it now, but when he was scrambling in college, he was doing it against Division three teams. Yes. <laughs> yes. So my last he question was for you um, yeah. is Dan Jones, my dude. Um, wow. Uh, I think I think we see the new quarterback in, in New York. Uh, we'll have to see when they actually throw him in or if it's going to be a situation like there was in Cleveland last year where Tyrod Taylor has the faintest signs of something wrong and Baker goes in. Well, so here's the thing, and I don't think it's going to be that same situation because let's be fair, no matter what, Eli is a better quarterback than Taylor. I'm, I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to leave that on the table. However, I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw, say, with the Jets when Tebow was there and you have the crowd screaming for Tebow, right? I think we're going to see that. Now, keep in mind, Daniel Jones in the preseason never went against number one defense. He was always put in against the number twos. So I don't think he's really seen or knows what to expect still. I think all, all, all of the fans for the Giants have a false sense of complacent or a false sense of security knowing that this kid can play but you also have to look at who he played against during the preseason. Exactly. And it was a, it was a big thing when he was first drafted and then it came to light again months later when that GQ with Baker Mayfield interview came out and he he didn't do a lot of winning in college. No. He was about 500, maybe a little over, maybe a little less. I'm not sure on the specifics right now. But I, he was well, I mean, 500 quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, let's be – Duke's in a tough conference for Duke. Um, 
I, I never thought Duke should be in the conference they're in. They're, they've just never been able to pull anything off. They're a basketball school. We all know that. Um, Football-wise, I if I was a, a, even a three-star recruit quarterback, Duke's not my school of choice. Um, right. And you're looking, at, you're looking at the same situation Mitch Trubisky came out of. He yes. was in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, you know, so – do I think Daniel Jones has a future in the NFL? Absolutely. Do I think he's ready to start the season? No. I think you've got to give him a season under Eli to really yes. – Eli's going to help him out. As bad as I think Eli doesn't want to, I think we're going to see that same thing with Tom Brady and Jimmy G. Jimmy G never really touched the field that much in New England. But when he got his own deal, when he got his own team, he was ready to step in and play. Uh, but I do think that you're going to see the Giants hold on to Daniel Jones, and he will be Eli's replacement. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Okay, man, so we're coming up on the end of this podcast, and I have to ask. I know we're just getting through see, uh, week one. However, early predictions for the Super Bowl. Oof. It's a tough one this year. It is a tough one this year. Because I know in your heart you want to say Cleveland, but I don't think they they definitely make the playoffs. They definitely host a home game, like I predicted before. They may even win a game or two, but I think it's going to end up being uh, what it should have ended up being last year: Chiefs and Saints. See, now here's my thing, and and I agree with you with the Saints. Saints have a strong case in the NFC. I think with the addition of Antonio Brown, when the Chiefs run across the Patriots, we're going to see a, a better game than we did last year between them. And if it does come down to it, if the Chiefs pull it off, I give them, I give it to them by three points over the Patriots. All right. so, so are you predicting the same thing? I am predicting we'll get the Super Bowl we should have had in the Saints and Brady versus Breeze. That's the Super Bowl we all wanted, and I think that's the Super Bowl we deserve. I can't take him yet. <laughs> show, show me what that's going to look like after week two. Yes, I um, I do want to touch this subject, if I can hook up with you again, about midseason, and let's kind of look at, at what we're looking at. Um, you know, like I said in my original episode for season two is we are sticking to subject-based talk in each episode. So that's why we didn't jump around on different sports because let's be fair right now, we got a lot going on in, in MLB and everything else, but I, I plan on sticking to this format that way. We're not throwing people off with a bunch of different sports, but Josh, I do want to thank you for taking the time yeah, I know you stepped away from your family for the time we did this, and I appreciate it. Um, I hope to do it again. Like I said, I'd like to hook back up with you about midseason or anytime you want to drop in and do one with me, let me know, and we can make it happen. Absolutely, my man. Um, as for everyone else, look, guys, everything that we do is for you, our listeners, and I want you to keep your heads up, keep fighting forward, Always fight for your dream. Never give up. Don't take can't. Don't take one as an answer. Josh, I hope you have a good night. To all my listeners, I hope you have a good night. For any topics you want me to cover, email them to a fansperspective01 at gmail.com. Check it every day. Also, 
If you want to support the podcast, you can be a monthly supporter or you can just drop in and, and donate one time. Anyway, guys, I hope you all have a good night, day, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. Josh, I thank you a lot. Everyone else, have a good night, and we'll talk to you all later. All right. Thanks for having me. Peace.